Last week, I talked about uh, the sports playing days, um, and I remember coaches saying things like this, and not just football coaches, but really all coaches. You know, they get the team before the game, and they give this loud speech. I guess the louder you are, the better the speech is, apparently, in coaching world. And they get really loud and yell and let the guys know all kinds of stuff. And you would hear things like, give it 110% today. Give it everything you've got. In football, you'd hear words like sell out, right? Um, you, would, you would hear words like run through the tackle and finish the play. Like give it everything you can. Uh, you would hear one of our coaches in college would say on kickoff, run down like your hair's on fire, uh, which will make you run fast, I guess. But that's what he would tell us, reminding us to go all in. Give it everything on the field. And that's the theme of this series that we're in, the playbook, talking about what God has called us to and what would it look like for we as a local body, just one of many in this world, we're part of something bigger than ourselves called the Alliance, for this body of Christ followers to go all in, to really live out the call that, that's been brought upon our lives. I think of, I don't regret any of it, but I think of all, I mentioned last week, all the, the, the hours we spent just for football. I mean, practices, hour after hour. Uh, workouts, we would gather in the film room and watch film just way too long. Working on technique and, and learning the playbook and all of that stuff. But it was, it was so that we could win a game. It was because we were all in. And it was all just for a simple win of a football game, which in the grand scheme of things, I don't know about you, it just doesn't mean a whole lot, right? I don't know if you believe this or not, but nobody is talking about my college football games from 16 to 19 years ago. Nobody's talking about them in the whole world. Not one of the games. Not any play that took place in any one of those games. Because it's over, right? We learned a lot and we move on. We would do all that to win a game. But church, we're a part of something that's so much bigger. You're on a team. You're a part of something that's so much bigger than you as an individual, so much bigger than us as a church, is a mission of Jesus Christ that he has, he has called us to. And the reason why it's, it is such a big deal is because eternity is on the line, right? I mean, where somebody will spend eternity, the Bible says our life is like a mist, it's a vapor, it's here today and gone tomorrow, but eternity is forever. And we're talking about whether someone will spend eternity with God in heaven or somebody spend eternity separated from God in hell, in their real places. And the question for you, maybe another question to even ask today is, is man, we know people that are on both tracks, right? And it says in 2 Corinthians, I think 5 verse 20, that we're Christ ambassadors. We're, we're called to be Jesus to the world. And then we read Matthew 28, we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples, right? Uh, baptizing people and teaching them the gospel. But then in Acts 1.8, it also reminds us, you're not going to have to do it alone, uh, but you're going to receive power to do it, to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. He is with us, he's by our side, and he will lead us, and he'll give us power to do it. So what would it look like for us as a church to go, to go all in with this call that's been put on our lives? To go all in for the kingdom of God. I don't often point back to go back and listen to a podcast, um, but I encourage you, if you missed last week, uh, go back and listen as we unpack the core values a little bit uh, more than we even will today. Uh, but I want to share them with you again and just read kind of the, the, the header line that goes with each one and, and really the theme of each one as we jump in. We're going to spend time on number two today. Our values are things that uh, we want to embody as a church. It's things that we want to write on people's heart. It's the DNA of who we want to become and what we're about. 
So the first one is this, and this could be our only one, and I would be satisfied, honestly, because it encompasses everything. Jesus at the center, that everything we do is going to be motivated by following Jesus and his example. And church, if we can get this right, the last three or four will be just, it'll just come naturally. Keep Jesus at the center of everything we do, everything we aim to do, everything we're doing now, every vision, goal, dream that we want to be a part of. Jesus needs to be at the center and the focal point, focal point of all of it. The second one is rooted, that we are rooted in prayer and God's word, that we want to live lives of worship. It's not just coming to church, but it's 24-7 of what it looks like to follow Jesus. This, the third one is mission over me. It's the idea that everyone's pulling in the same direction. Uh, it, because when we're not, it wastes resources, it wastes time, it wastes talents. We want to be a church. If there's one thing that's not going on in our culture today, it's where people are pulling in the same direction for a common goal that's actually good and for others. And the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us that opportunity. We come from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of growing up. Your home is probably so different than others in this room. But we are a part of something that unites us, that unites the entire body of Christ across the world, and it's, and it's Jesus so mission over me, it's not about you, and it's not about me, it's about Jesus. We are families, the fourth one, that everyone belongs to a family. That if somebody new walks in and walks back out of this place and says, there's something unique going on there, there's something different, I feel like I belong at this place. I feel like there's a sense of family, there's a sense of love and joy in the building because of you all that make the atmosphere like that, that we are family in everything we do. The last one is serving as a lifestyle. We're so thankful for what Jesus has done for us. Like, we can't believe what Jesus has done for us. Anson mentioned a little bit earlier, we did it in song. But we can't help but graciously give back because of it. Because of what Christ did for me, I want to be an offering, if you will, back to him my whole life. I want to be all in for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark 12, we, we shared this last week. And uh, we're going to pull a little piece out of this and and spend most of our time talking about it. Uh, Mark 12, 30 through 31. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he didn't leave us just with, hey, let's just love God, and as long as we get this right, everything else will be fine. You can treat people however you want. There's another section to this verse, another little line that says, And love your neighbor as yourself. It goes hand in hand. I don't think we can love God well. We can't vertically have this thing going on when all these are messed up and not going well. I don't think we can have all these down here not going well and then all of a sudden pretend like this is going well, right? That it's, we're called to love God and to, to, love, to love others. Jesus sums it up. When they, come, they, they came to him and asked, hey, give us the, what, what's the most important? There's 600 laws. Which one do we follow? And Jesus said, you need to love, you need to love our Father. And you need to, you need to love those around you. In Mark 12, there's one little spot in here where he says this, and Jesus talks about love the Lord your God with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. If you were to do a spiritual evaluation today, uh, you got the spiritual mirror out and you're looking directly in it, how well would you say that you're doing at loving the Lord your God with all with all of your mind. We talked about last week that if we want to grow in our walk with Jesus, it's not going to happen accidentally. You're not going to sleep on this and all of a sudden, oh, 
That's revelation from God, right? It's going to be intentional. And the way that we will grow in our walk with Christ, church, is by keeping Jesus at the center. The way that we will be intentional about our walk with Christ is loving the Lord our God with all of our mind. If there's one thing that, that makes people steer off the road spiritually more than maybe any other area, there's an area that could have been the struggle most of your life. It's the things that are going on in your mind. It has a way of just causing destruction. It has a way of people just driving off the cliff. It has a way of ruining individuals in the body of Christ when we don't love the Lord our God with all of our mind and keep things in check up there. It has a way of actually, if not careful, leading an entire church in the wrong direction and ultimately off the road, if you will, spiritually. To love the Lord our God with all of our mind, it can be the number one stumbling block. The area we get off track so quickly. It's why we talk about the way to keep on track is Jesus at the center. And second value, living a life that's rooted in prayer and God's word. So today, the goal, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, is for us to be a church that's truly rooted in, truly rooted in God's word. And I hope by the end of today that it reignites a passion for you to, to wipe the dust off of this at home and, and to pick it up and read it or get the Bible app on your phone or whatever way it may work for you to, to get God's word in your heart and in your mind. Because if we want to be a, go- a, a body that engages this community and reaches this community for Christ, we have to be a body that engages God's word and knows it and, 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 and understands it. Understands it. Because we have people all over the spectrum in this room today. There's those of you in this room that, that are, you love God's word and you're actively reading it. You're actively studying it. You're actively learning and you're applying it to your lives. There's other, others in the room that you love God's word, uh, but it's been kind of distant lately. And it's not being something that you're actively reading and learning and growing in. And then there's others in the room that, that don't really care, honestly. There's many in our culture that I don't need another sermon on reading God's Word. I've been there and done that, and I'll, I'll hear it on Sunday and, and once in a while when somebody else tells me about it. But one of the things we mentioned last week was this. I want this next year, 2019-2020 ministry year, to be the best year that Centerville Community Church have, has ever had in their, in their 42 years of ex- existence. And I'm not talking about our best year numerically with people here in pews, I'm not talking about our best year numerically with the budget. I'm not talking about with stellar programming and all these great events that that come and go, right? But I'm talking about having our best year yet by having our best year spiritually yet. When was your best year when you thought, man, that was a season I was in tune with the Spirit of God, my best year spiritually? We want to have our best year as as a church this next year. It must happen, that we all must be locked in and engaged. It cannot happen apart from reading and understanding God's Word. Uh, every year during football season, I shared a tad last week, but it really, like the freshmen and sophomores, if you transferred in, it was a bigger deal, uh, to really get the playbook, because you were learning a whole new offense or a whole new defense and like a whole new system and language that, that maybe you didn't have in your high school days. And uh, so you, you had to learn the playbook. Because if you didn't know the playbook, you were not, you for sure were not getting in the game. Even if you were the greatest athlete, you just couldn't play because you didn't know what you were doing on the field. 
And uh, the playbook is such a big deal. Why? Because you need to know the base of the playbook. Because when you get in the game, quarterback gets under center. He reads the defense. And all of a sudden, he begins to shout out another play. And you better know the audible call that goes with that play and that defense that's currently in. And so many times, if guys wouldn't, they would be gone. They'd be, they would be on the bench. And uh, it was such a big deal to know the playbook. And not only the playbook, but know your opponent's tendencies. And know what they were good at. And know what defense were that they were in or what offense they were running, right? Church, this is, this is our playbook. As a local church and as people that call themselves born-again believers, we need to pick up the playbook. We need to read it. And we need to understand it. You'd never hire somebody at your job you work now that has no idea what they're doing on the job, right? And we, take, we put more emphasis on that than we do the body of Christ learning and understanding God's Word. So I just want to share a few things with you. Uh, quite honestly, we could, we could stay up here all day and share the benefits of picking up God's Word and reading it. But I just want to share two and then a couple other thoughts with you this morning. The, the, the benefit, one of the huge ones of, of picking up and reading God's Word is you will grow in wisdom and you will grow in discernment. If you were part of the men's gathering Wednesday or Thursday night, they actually talked about this a little bit. The wisest man of all time, what did he want to learn and, and grow in when he, he asked if he could have anything? And he said, I want to grow in wisdom and discernment. How many of you in the room, you don't need to raise your hand, but would say, I want to, I want to grow in my godly wisdom and my godly understanding. I want to grow in what it means to be a wise person when it comes to a biblical perspective. Now, there was a story um, I want to share with you of an old lady that was on an airplane uh, beside a young businessman, and they were flying a cross-country flight from L.A. Uh, to New York, and often you've been on those longer flights where you get a meal. Uh, so they uh, were beginning to be served the meal on this flight, a little bit into it, and, and uh, both of them began to, to eat their meal and finish it. And soon enough, the, the flight attendant came around and picked up all of their uh, all of their dirty items and their plates. And soon after that, the, the older lady had, had uh, picked up her Bible, and uh, she opened it up and began to read it. And this young businessman said, you don't, you don't actually believe that, do you? You, know? you don't actually believe the stuff you're reading. And this lady uh, mentioned back to the man, well, yeah, I, I do. You know, I actually do. I believe in, I believe in God's Word and Scripture. And he responded back, What's the, what's the guy's name that he was in the belly of a fish and he couldn't get out and he was, he was, he was in bad shape? and I, I've heard that story before, but I can't remember the guy's name. And I don't know many details surrounding the story. There's no way you believe that's true. And the lady said, well, yeah, I, I, I do believe. I do believe that's true. To which he said, how, do you, how on earth do you know it's true, right? And she said, well, I... You know, I don't, I don't fully know all the details, but I, I know when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God of, you know, how did all this take place and how did all this happen? And so the man began to, to ask more questions, probing questions, and, and asked the lady, well, first of all, you don't even know that it's happened, and second of all, how in the world do you know that, that, he'll, be, that he'll be in heaven and, and not in hell? And the, the old lady responded back, and she said, well, that's... That's easy, young man. Uh, if he's not, then you can ask. You get that? Because that's where he's heading, right? That's wisdom, I guess. He, she knew God's word, 
She knew that she knew that she knew the song we just sang. All of God's promises are yes and amen. She knew that she could trust it. Church, if we want to grow in wisdom, like the lady on the flight from L.A. to New York, we got to pick up God's word, and we got to read it. In a time where it seems like our world is upside down, and in a time where the, the word truth it seems to be, uh, you know, it's just a relevant term, in a time where uh, it seems that, that people are, are, are confused, right? And in a time where there's brokenness everywhere we look. I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear stories on the news or read about them, and it's like, I don't even know how to respond to that. That's so messy. There's so much of a web of junk that goes with that. I'm not even quite sure how to interpret it. In a world where we, we kind of have selective moral outrage over the craziest things that aren't even in God's word, Right? How do we sort it all out? How do we grow through it? How do we learn? And I would say this, there's no greater time for the body of Christ. There's no greater time for we as the church to get in God's word, understand it, read it, glean from it, grow, learn, apply it to our lives than right now. If one of the great benefits of reading God's word is growing in wisdom and and we're not reading it, it's going to lead down a path that's not where we want to be. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 19 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. There's people out there that know everything about everything. And the Bible paints a pretty clear picture that there's worldly wisdom, And there's godly wisdom. And we can turn on the evening news. We can get on any web page that we want and and, and, and check out all the social media posts. Uh, We can read every newspaper and every magazine only to realize our world, it's messed up, isn't it? There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of just thinking that's way off theologically. How do we interpret? How do we work through it all? And God gives us a choice. He didn't create us to be spiritual robots, right? He gave us a free will. And we can choose godly wisdom, or we can choose worldly wisdom. But let me give you a warning. When we keep traveling down the road of worldly wisdom, it leads to some great destruction. Some of you in this room, that's your testimony. You just traveled through life, buying into worldly wisdom. It was kind of about self. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's try this. And you just just kept walking down this road only to find yourself in a place where it looked like you had it all, but you were broken, empty, and you really had nothing. There was a crisis moment in your life spiritually, and you came to Jesus to know who he was as your personal Lord and Savior. Church, when we pick up God's word and we read it and we understand it and we apply it to our lives and we follow his ways, not our ways, it will lead to us growing in wisdom. The Bible actually says that this word right here, God's word, is a, it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Psalm, I don't know what it is, Psalm 119, 105. It's a, it's, it's a, his word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. If you were to put a lamp in your, your hand and walk down the road in a pitch dark area, right? How far out can you see with this little lamp? Maybe a step, maybe two steps, maybe three, but you can't see all the way down the road. You can't see really what's coming next. We're just walking in step with Jesus. He's a lamp unto my feet. I pick this up and I read it. God, every step of my journey, 
I'm locked and loaded. I'm understanding your word. I'm, I'm seeing the world through your word and through your perspective, not, not mine. Church, if we want to get wisdom from God, uh, you're not going to get it from your TV. You're not going to get it from a crystal ball. You're not going to get it from your favorite social media site or your favorite political figure. The only place you're going to find godly wisdom is staying rooted in God's word. Another benefit of staying um, close to God's word is you'll be able to discern and understand God's will. How many of you in here would say, I want to know God's will? I mean, I truly want to know God's will for my life. I want to know when he's calling me. I want to know where he's calling me. I I want to know what he's calling me to, right? And the good news is by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we stay rooted in his word, rooted in prayer, we can begin to discern what God's will is for our life. It's not a mystery. Anson prayed about it early. He's not trying to trick us or give us a puzzle, right? He will, he will reveal to us through people, through his word, through time, what his will is for our life. If you want to write this down, you can. I read this in a book recently, and it's too good not to share today. It says, you will not know God's will until you know God's ways. And you will not know God's ways until you know his word. You will not know God's word. Uh, you will not know God's will. Well, I'd say until you know God, first off. But until you know his ways and understand his ways. And the only way you're going to know God's ways is by really picking up his word and reading it and understanding it. So all of us, we go back to the question, how many of us want to know God's will? Yeah, I want him to put it in a fortune cookie, right? That's kind of what we want. No, 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 you're going to find God's will in the pages of Scripture. You're going to find God's will in your life by getting on your knees in prayer and staying, keeping Jesus at the center in your life. Church, this is so important. Because when we don't keep God's word at the center of our lives and we're not rooted in God's word, we'll never know his ways. We'll never know his will, and it will lead us down some paths. We'll make the craziest decisions. We will rationalize some of the worst sin. We'll say it's not a big deal. We'll say, well, I think God's calling me to... And God will say, that was never in my plan for your life. There's some things that God has for us we don't even need to pray about, right? And maybe we'll get another day to spend more time on this. But the the, the providential will of God, there's things in Scripture that God says he's going to do. We can pray for them to come quickly, right? But they're going to happen. God's promises are going to take place. The moral will of God, if we want to know what it's like to live a morally sound, a biblically sound life, it's all through the pages of Scripture. We don't have to question, well... Should I be or shouldn't I be? God's word spells it out. And then the personal, personal will of God. I want you to listen to this. God will never, is never going to lead a child to do something counter to what the word of God says. God is never going to lead you, be the one leading you to do something that's counter to, the, to what God's word says. But there is an enemy. And he will. And he'll whisper to you. And he'll lie to you. And he'll... He'll trick you, and he'll try to steal and kill and destroy. He'll try to make you think ridiculous things like this. If you're married in this room today, God will never lead you to a place where you say, you know what, it's been 15, 20, 30 years with this person. I'm done. I'm going to move on, and uh, we're going to get something new, right, and move on from this. God, if you have that question, you don't need to pray about that. God's never going to lead you to do that with the spouse you're seated by right today. It's not in God's will for your life. 
God's never going to lead somebody. Well, I think God is leading me to cut some corners so finances could be raised this year and we can be a little bit better off. Uh, you don't need to pray about that either. Maybe pray that you don't. But God's never going to lead you down a path to do that. Uh, God's never going to lead you. I think he wants me to keep this secret so I can stay happy and nobody knows. God will never lead you to do that. There's a spiritual enemy that's working overtime to, to bring you down, to tear you down. And we could share uh, more and more examples today of all the ways that we buy into some of the craziest stuff because it's what the world tells us to do. It's worldly wisdom. And it's where it leads when we don't know his ways and know his word and ultimately know his will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, a great verse about being all in. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what he did for you, in view that he let you off the hook for all of your sins, what that says. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says to offer your what? Your bodies, everything about you, to your Father in heaven, right? That's what it means to be all in. And then listen to what happens in the second part of this verse. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, to worldly wisdom, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then there's something cool that takes place when you yield to him and live in such a way that you're a living sacrifice and you renew your mind and you're transformed. Here's what will take place. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect, and perfect will. Church, we don't have an information problem today in 2019. We have an application problem. Christians are gathered in churches just like this all over the country today, hearing from God's word, hearing truth, but so many aren't applying it to their lives. Guys, truth plus application equals transformation. As we hear God's word, we let it change us. We let it sanctify us. We let it grow us into the image of of Jesus Christ. James 1.22. Remember when we went through James, that book, quite a, probably a year ago? It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We're not just about information acquisition. Let's see, um, let's unscrew the scalp, pour a whole bunch in there, but it doesn't change me at all. That's not the goal. John 14.21, it says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them, is one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Let me, this is the obvious one. We're always going to be a church that studies God's Word. We'll always be a church that preaches God's Word. We're always going to be a church that teaches God's Word. But as I just mentioned, it's not just about coming in every week and sponging up all of this information, but it's about applying it to our lives. That's how you become transformed. That's how you become renewed. So we want to grow in truth and knowledge. Most certainly we want to grow in, in truth and knowledge. We want to grow in discerning God's will and wisdom and all that stuff. But we need to apply this stuff to our lives. Church, if we want to have our best year yet in 2019, 2020, spiritually speaking, this is it. This is how we do it. I want to close today with some application of uh, 
what's, what do we do next, right? And uh, we're going to share at the end. We have a new member coming, class coming up in September 22nd, um, which we'll share in a minute. But in that class, you'll hear all five of the ways to engage at Centerville Community Church. But I just want to share, want to share two of them with you that are very applicable to loving God with all of our mind so that we can get better at that. And the first one, the first one is this is to attend weekend worship services every Sunday and apply the teachings. If we want to go all in with our minds, then we have to start with Jesus first. He would be the subject, He would be the way that we could go all in with our minds so we could grow personally, so we could grow as a church spiritually in our walk with Christ. What would it look like for each one that calls CCC their home to not forsake gathering together as the body of Christ each week? That's what Hebrews tells us in 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He's reminded them, make it a habit. Make it who you are, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, it blows my mind when born-again Christians, people that, that praise God for what Jesus did for them on the cross, show up to church once or twice a month, or even less. How does that happen? You don't, you don't go without eating for two or three weeks, do you? Uh, you don't go without sleeping for two or three weeks. You don't go without going to work for two or three weeks. Is this an essential piece to your life? Is gathering with the body of Christ, studying, renewing our minds, growing together? I've said this often and I'll say it again. Although your walk with Jesus is very personal, it's called a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not, you're, not, you're not to live it out privately, but we're to live it out in community with one another. So what would it look like for you this year to do your best as, as the body of Christ? We're part of something way bigger than ourselves to not forsake the gathering of the saints and show up and say, Jesus, here I am to serve. Here I am to learn. Here I am to praise your name. And I want to be all yours. The second one is this. So the first one is show up to church. That's pretty easy, right? And the second one is to join a community group or a discipleship group. Acts 2, as they beat, launched this brand new church, remember last week you said it was a small church but it had a very big impact? Here were some things they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. And you can read on and on and on. It said the Lord added to their, day, to their numbers daily those that were being saved. So while our relationship's personal, it's not meant to be lived out private, we do it in community with one another. And I can't encourage you enough uh, that I believe gathering and, and being seated in a pew each week and listening to me and seeing words on the screen, I think we need to go further. I think we need to get in circles with other people and do life with people. And if you're not in a group, I can't encourage you enough to find one. I want to share this with you, our little uh, discipleship advisory team that has Mike Carroll, Tim Howeiler, uh, myself, uh, Anson, the lead, and then John, Pastor John. And here's what we wrote a while back. Why, why does discipleship, why do groups matter? Here's what we wrote. As followers of Christ, we belong to a unique community, one founded solely on Jesus Christ and bound together by the Holy Spirit. We have been called to become more like Him, but we do it best when we do it together. Being a part of a discipleship group helps you connect with others in that community and grow in your faith as you share life together. With a wide variety of different groups and classes, there's definitely a place for you to connect 
at Centerville Community Church. Take your next steps and join today. I don't know if we have the graphic that has the, the groups thing. You can pop it up there. I don't if we uh, I encourage you, centervillecommunity.churchcenter.org, or it's in your white sheet. Don't listen to what I just said, and you'll find the, the URL. But you can go find any and every group that's going on in this church. You know what we need? We need people that are already in groups and others that aren't to step up and lead new groups. We have so many new people showing up to this church week in, week out in 2019, 2020. I believe year three uh, of, of most of our team and, and, this, and journeying together will be our, our biggest year as far as new people coming in. And we need new groups. We need new leaders. And if God's nudging you to teach, you don't need to have an MDiv. You just got to love people. We can supply you with curriculum or whatever you need. But if you know how to love people well, you're in. And we'd love to talk with you. Go sign up, and you can see some more information in the atrium or contact Anson. I want to close with this as we, as we wrap up today. We often sing a, a song about Christ is the, the cornerstone in our life, right? And then it says, he is the Lord. And Lord means master. He's the Lord over all. So we could sing, he's the master over all. So what's he the master of? He's the master of my soul. He's the master of my heart. He's the master of all of my strength. And the thing we talked about today, he's the master of, of my mind. God, I want to go all in with my mind. So let Joshua 1.8 lead you into this next song. Written thousands of years ago, but it's as relevant today as it's ever been. And I want you to hear it. It's the message. Don't get off track. 2019, 2020, isn't it easy to get off track? Let's not let this be a year we get off track. Either left or right. Awesome, oh, things are going to look good over here, maybe over here. Now let's stay, let's stay in the center. So don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you are going. And don't for a minute let this book of Revelation, I'm not talking about the last book of the Bible specifically, this book of Revelation, God's Word, His love letter to you and to me, don't let it ever be out of your mind. We want to have our best year yet, let's not let God's Word ever get out of our mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. And then listen to, listen to what happens if you do this. And we don't do all this to get this last part, by the way, but this is a reward of it. It says, then you'll get to where you are going, and then you'll succeed. There's no greater ministry roadmap for us, spiritually speaking, for this next 2019, 2020 year than Joshua 1a. Let's meditate on the Word of God. Let's, let's practice everything that's in it. And then you will become prosperous. And we love that word because we think, awesome, my checking account is going to go up. That's not how our God blesses us, right? He's way too good for that. If He just gave us monetary blessings, and He does, and that's all He gave us, Man, we, we fall short every time. But he will bless you spiritually in ways you've never been blessed before. And if we do these things, we'll experience success spiritually. Maybe more important than the word success, we'll experience oneness with our Savior. So today was about staying rooted, our big value. Rooted in God's word and rooted in prayer. And saying, God, in this year, I want you to renew my mind. 
and I want to love you and honor you with my mind. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church that gets it when it comes to to reading and understanding your word, living it out. But God, every once in a while, me including, we could all use some encouragement to get back in it so that we can experience your best in every area of our life. God, renew our minds. Every day, there's so many things battling for our minds. This afternoon, things will battle for our minds. Tonight, Monday, Tuesday, stresses, anxieties, the world, stuff will just come flying at us. So we can see why it's so important to daily renew our minds. Because any one day, we can get off track so quick. So God, with your help, we're going to do our best in this area as a church. And it's in your name we pray.